We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We are recording this after WWE Survivor Series has gone off the air, so we're devoting the whole show to an immediate response to Survivor Series and the end of The Undertaker, allegedly. So we'll take you from the beginning of the event through the middle and then round it out with what the Undertaker's career means to us so far. Where do we think he stands among the other stars that WWE has had, so on and so forth. Our second show this week will be packed full of hip-hop, MMA, and boxing. So we'll get you guys a show to kick off the holiday weekend, the extended weekend. You guys will have it while you're cooking in the kitchen for Thanksgiving and hanging out. You guys will be able to listen to us in our second show But it was important for us to record this while Survivor Series was fresh in our heads and get it out to you guys fast. So, old man, overall, before we go through match by match, we do this every time, your grade for Survivor Series. Y'all going to be surprised. I get this in A-. minus. Oh, I'm shocked. I think this is the might have been their best pay-per-view of the year. If I'm, I'm trying to think what's better than this one. 
Oh, Hell in the Cell might have been better nah, than me. Mm-mm. It was longer though, so it had some filler. Yeah, like no, this this had three three matches. Three? Yes, three matches that I gave an A an A or A minus grade to in my sporting news recap. Oh yeah, we gotta go through it then. So I would give this a B plus. I think I gave Hell in a Cell a B plus as well. To me, this would be a B plus show. If we're including the entirety of the show, including the last forty minutes, which wasn't a match, the Undertaker. The oh, that yeah. Then it's a B. <laughs> then it's a B. <laughs> then then it's, this whole show gets taken down a good notch for me, and it's a B. But I'm not including that yeah, in no, the review. No, mm-hmm. no, that shit doesn't count. I'm mad that I stayed around for that, but we'll talk about that nonetheless at the end of the show. So I'll start from the pre-show to kick it off. We had an 18-man dual brand battle royal and mind you there's no stakes in this right it was just to fill time get people on air whatever but they really worked in a lot of the feuds that they've had going the past couple of months the tension was there there was a lot of talent in this ring with all that happening i really didn't like the end to me some like, the end made no sense when you had all of these storylines that were being told throughout this battle royal. Oh, this doesn't count in my grave either, because this match was stupid. Um, oh, to do <laughs> No, I don't. It's a pre-show. It's, I don't count this. I don't, I don't count the, uh, the buy-in for, for AEW pay-per-views. No. What? You don't I, count the gobbledygook winning the 24-7 title? No, I don't. No. Because then it'd be a B-show. Like, I'm, I'm, counting, I'm only counting the main part of the pay-per-view. Because this match... The problem with this match is A, it had no stakes. B, yeah. the Miz didn't need to win. That was nope. almost utterly pointless to have him win. Some people were like, it's a red herring, he's going to cash in. It's like, no, it's not. They're protecting the guy with the briefcase. Other than that, this match should have put somebody over. Chad goddamn Gable. Like, what the fuck? I, I didn't understand the booking of this match. It was stupid. Me either. There was plenty of other storylines to play off of. I mean, I like that it kind of closed the chapter on Apollo Crews and her business. So he eliminates both of them, um, or one of them, after Ricochet eliminates Cedric because they had beef. There was little stuff like that throughout the entire thing. Rey Mysterio gets eliminated, and you see Murphy come to his aid right away and defend him, throw someone out who eliminated him. All of these narratives were played through. Uh, I thought Dominic, they're really, I don't want to say protecting Dominic, but he's getting too strong of a push. There's no need for him to be one of the last two and then win, but then not win against The Miz. I don't know what they do with him next. He had the Seth feud, but is it realistic to expect him to jump into another feud? No. I don't know if the guy can talk. Like, I don't... I think they're rushing him along too fast. They put him in for a specific angle, and then now it's like, okay, what now? Yes. No, I, I agree with you 100%. The Dominic Mysterio angle, as soon as you put him in with Seth, people weren't sure, like, is he going to still wrestle after this? And then when they yeah. decided, like, yeah, he's actually going to be part of the roster, well, it's like, well, where the hell do you go from here? You go from Seth Rollins to what? Another person who could have won this thing was Murphy. I was actually kind of surprised that he wasn't in the end either. Um. That would have been a good storyline to finish off. You know, maybe having him eliminate Miz after Miz tries to screw uh, Dominic and earn Dominic's trust. Because naturally, the feud is for those two to battle. I, dude, I don't understand. Like, watching this battle royal, I was like, 
back in the day, pay-per-views, they'd be like, oh, they put them all in there saying get a payday. Like WrestleMania paydays, it was like, oh, if you're in the Battle yeah. Royal, at least you get a check. I don't know if they get checks anymore. So when they do this match, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't understand why this match is even happening. Like, And on top of that, the Hurt Business are in the match. Yo, two and a half months ago, we said it was going to be the Hurt Business versus Retribution at Survivor Series. Retribution didn't even do anything in this. It's over. They didn't appear at all. It's so over. So I'm watching this match. I was like, you got to get somebody. Over. Like, if you're doing this on the pre-show, somebody who hasn't had a lot of TV time or somebody that could use the boost should win. And yep. I, when I saw Chad Gable, I was like, oh, Daniel Bryan must have booked this shit because Chad Gable's going to win. No, he lost. Also, we got to stop with this. Like, I throw you out of the ring and then I celebrate only to get thrown out because I should be smart enough to know that if I don't hear the bell ring, one of you motherfuckers is out here somewhere hiding. Because there's no, like, it's at a, like we've seen this a million times where somebody thinks they, they, they won and they celebrate. They don't hear a bell. They don't hear anything. And they sit there and celebrate like complete idiots and then just get tossed out of the ring like dumbasses. And Do- Dominic, he did that. He was like, yay. And he looked like at a certain point you should go, oh, shit. Where's he at? Like, who is it? Where's he at? Who's hiding? And it was the Miz. It was, eh, Miz didn't need to win this. This was dumb. Did it? I mean, I liked how he won. So like rolling in just barely enough before you get kicked out. It's like you reestablish yourself. That makes sense. Like, okay, that's logical. I get it. But even by doing that, wouldn't that have been a great spot for Ali with 18 people in there? So like retribution crowds the ring. Somehow he, you know, cheats just a little and you make him feel special. You elevate this guy who's leading this stupid ass faction, it, it, they're a rap. Like you said, it's it's done. Boy, Ali is somebody who have to give credit to try to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Man, he be trying. Like you watch him on social media and him cutting promos. You, it looks like a man who is trying to keep his job, but also a man who is not only trying to keep his job, but if he knows the gimmick goes down in flames, is going to be hired by another promotion. Like he is working his ass off for this feud. He deserves. I think more he'll than be this. fine if this flops. I don't. I worry about all the rest of them. Like. <laughs> I don't know how you come back from being T-Bar. You don't. They have to disappear and come back with their regular names. You'd be like, weren't you? No. No. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. My name is Dijak. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of this T-Bar fellow. Yeah, no, nah, it's going up in flames. Like, I mean, what happened to Raw Underground? Hey, man. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shocked this has lasted longer than Raw Underground. Hmm. I, but I no Barely. Problem. Barely. <laughs> No <laughs> yeah, you said that wasn't going to last long either. Yeah. And lo and behold, I, I thought Survivor Series is what Retribution was made for, and they couldn't get on the booking. So it was damn, damn shame. Whew, so Miz, Miz wins. People think he's going to cash in. We'll get to that later. And then we kick off the main card with Team Raw, AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Matt Riddle. Versus Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. One of these things does not belong. <laughs> They're fucking still trying with Otis. Oh, God. Oh, God. And they make him look strong against Keith Lee. Yo. And Keith Lee is like, what the fuck am I doing in here with Otis? <sighs> okay. So, I mean, we can go through the match as it goes along. but Yeah. 19 br- minutes, by the way. It's kind of long. 
But 19 minutes for a five-on-five match that ends in a clean sweep, I did not understand the logic of this match at all. And I know, like, I know everybody listening is going, man, you gave this pay-per-view an A? Yeah, we'll get there. An A-minus. Because of this, like, this match and the end of the women's match, everything else was good. Um, but this match, I was like, well, all the dissension in Raw, and they just run roughshod over SmackDown? Because if for a minute, when Jey Uso was the only one left, I was like, oh, shit. He's going to have one of those valiant fights, take a few fools down with him, and then goes back to the, 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 the chief and is like, yo, I did what I could with what I had, and I, got, I took a fool, few fools down with me. No, they got ran roughshod over. They got demolished, swept. On paper, they weren't great. No, but, they were. I mean, they were I bad. I thought they put up a fight. <laughs> yeah, like they, I mean, on paper they were bad. On paper they should have got killed. Anyway, like yeah. between Braun, Keith, and the you know the skill of AJ and Riddle and Sheamus should have got him eliminated. I don't know how Sheamus ends up surviving this shit. He but, did not need to survive. Like he no. should have been the first one eliminated. Like Seth Rollins basically sacrificing himself for paternity leave. Okay, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> like, yeah, that that was funny. Yeah, like, was like we all that makes sense. We, yeah, we, we know Baron Corbin getting eliminated. Cool, I get it. Owens dishing out like three stunners and then just getting served. I didn't like because I feel like yeah, we're getting to the that's point. That's what always happens. That's the spot. Yeah, we're getting to the point now with Kevin Owens. Like, can you please just turn him heel because it's not like he he could be a really good baby face, but he's like the reverse. Uh, Roman Reigns right now in a sense where you know how good he is as a heel you like you know it and you kind of need heels like even though Roman's your top guy you need a secondary heel that's really pushing it and that could be him but now he's like meandering as a baby face and he just eats shit in this damn pay-per-view and I'm like man he deserves better as well Sami Zayn's the number two heel on Smackdown but yeah. he could be right. Like him and Sammy could be a team. I don't know something like this ain't it. Or if you want to keep him babyface, have him feud with Sammy. But because that shit never gets old. But that's the only thing. Other than that, go heel. So Kevin Owens is out after that, and then we have um, Otis Jey Uso. It's fucking Otis, man. Oh, Otis gets nerfed by I think it was Braun Strowman. Yeah. Who hit him with the the running uh, power slam, which is stupid because why is Otis on the top rope anyway? Because he's dumb. That's why. He's a fucking idiot. Makes no damn sense. But not only is For he For a second, idiot. I thought Braun Strowman was going to get eliminated by the worm. <sighs> and that, I was like, this is really going to make no sense. <laughs> that would have been bad. But it's like the, the main problem I had is like, Otis is a complete goof, right? Like it's hard to take anything he does seriously. But this 50-50 back and forth with Keith Lee was really getting on my nerves. Because like, you got yeah. one guy who you built last year to be the last guy with Roman Reigns. This year, he's going toe-to-toe with Otis? It's not the way you push Keith Lee. The psychology nah. of this match was dumb. Like, I, I get what they were trying to get to. Like, they used this as a prop for the main event, right? Like, this whole the whole purpose of this match was used as a prop for Jey Uso in the main event. But I don't know. Like, if you're Raw... I have no idea where you go tomorrow. I'm sure they're all going to break up and start fighting again. But if you're SmackDown, how do you come back from this? You look stupid. I mean, the team looks weak. So Seth Rollins is gone, paternity leave. Otis is Otis. Then you have Corbin, which I don't know who he feuds against, and Kevin Owens. That also got eliminated. So now I'm assuming Sami Zayn's going to need a new challenger to the IC title. Who's that next guy? Mm. It only leaves Kevin Owens and Otis. Mm. You only got two options. And I fear it's going to be Otis. 
Uh, I don't know. So how I've been up on Otis yet. I don't know either, man. Um, it's Otis or Apollo Cruz, I guess, who was in the pre-show. You you got three options. Kevin Owens is the best option, especially heading into Royal Rumble and Mania season. So we'll see how they play that. And then we have Jay Uso, like you said, coming down. He's the last man standing. Think he's going to mount a valiant effort. Nope. Can't do shit. He's looks like he's doing something good. He gets caught out of midair. Great looking transition. Caught. Keith Lee flips him into position for the spare bomb. Keith Lee gets the final pin. That I did like. Yes. I was like, cool. Right guy won it for them. Mind you, one thing I hated more than anything in this match was Matt Riddle got nerfed the entire match. <laughs> I the thought entire he match. He's getting hit. He's getting kicked in the face. Otis slams his head against the pole. He did nothing but sell and get his ass whooped all match. Yeah. I was like, what is going on with Matt Riddle? They made him look so soft in this match. And then you get to the end. They've been arguing all week. It's literally the mid-card heels versus the mid-card baby faces on Raw. And they all shake hands and pose. This was, yeah, it was goofy. What? Why? I looked at that and I was like, yo, at this point, you might as well make them all a heel stable. Put all five of them together with the big black dude on the outside and see what you get. I, I, I don't want another League of Nations. Give, give me Riddle and Keith Lee as tag team champs. I don't know. I don't Feud with the Hurt Business. I can't tell you. Because outside of that, it makes no sense to shake hands. Should be beating the hell out of each other. They'll, they'll do it so next I, week. Because here's what will happen. By the time you guys listen to us, Raw is going to happen. And they're going to fall out because they're all going to take credit for winning. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, good luck. And then break into other feuds. That will probably culminate in some type of TLC match. Figuring that's the next pay-per-view. And they got to shoehorn matches into the theme. Of course they do. So someone will be hit with a chair. I promise you that. Because they need a chair match. All right. So we get that. Team Raw sweeps. 20 minutes was not necessary for a sweep, but whatever. Jey Uso goes to the back. Roman Reigns yells at him for not being able to keep his team together. That means they don't respect, they don't fear you, which means they don't respect you, which means they don't respect me. Get out of here with your weak-ass brother. I like that part of the promo. Yo. I was like, damn, I don't know how they bring Jimmy in because Roman Reigns just completely bitches him out every week. Dude, I said this on Twitter. I don't know how they've sat here for this long and had this character, this heel, and never used it. And there was people that came up with excuses. My man Kaz, well, he was ultra hot. Listen, I understand. When he was in the Shield, of course, he was white hot. But there came a point in time where fans were turning on Roman. And I'll use one significant instance where they could have done exactly this angle with Paul Heyman. It got Roman over. You know what? When, when they could have done this, had to be against Brock. No. After he beat the Undertaker. Oh, with the this is my yard now. Yes. They Instead booed that, him yeah. out the building that that day. The day after Mania, perfect yeah. time to turn him heel. That arrogant prick that we've been seeing on TV, who's been excellent at it, it like he because he gave that kind of a promo after he beat Undertaker. And yeah. the fans destroyed him. And we like destroying him, too. Because we're like, where's this guy been? 
And then he went back to being babyface Roman Reigns. They could have done this so long ago because, dude, this man is going to end up, if this keeps up, on the top of the PWI list next year. Oh, hands down. Easily. I mean, you could pencil his name in already. And by the way, they were waiting for the teeth. What a marvelous set of heel teeth that man has. Yo, this man's veneers are <laughs> unreal. But you I can't yo, be anything but a heel with those teeth. Like this, this entire segment, the disdain that Roman Reigns stared at Jay and Jimmy, and was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" Like when he looked at Jimmy, <laughs> and then he, and then he gave like the whole like, "Well, you can't come over for Thanksgiving. You gonna eat at the little kid table." That's like the how he delivered that promo, and. There's a lot of people that ask why. Why is Paul Heyman there? Just to make him look like a bigger dick. Paul doesn't even have to yep. say much. He just makes Roman look like a bigger dickhead. And in a good way. Dude. I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. I don't care anymore. Fine. Whatever. You guys fucked this thing up with Roman Reigns for five years. You finally figured it out because of goddamn COVID. And you figured out that without any. Because people were like, well, people would be saying what? Look, Roman, could, he could have got around that. I don't care. But this iteration of Roman Reigns is unbelievable. And people are like, I knew he had it in him. I don't give a fuck. If you square peg round hole things, it doesn't matter. If he would have stayed babyface, people would have continued to turn on him. The, the moveset, the facial expressions, like Roman always looked like a douchebag. When he was in the shield and didn't talk. He, looked, he had <laughs> yeah. that look on him like, yo, I'm king shit. And it annoyed people, but then everybody got behind him after the Royal Rumble, and we got excited, and the Shield broke up, and they gave him his own run, and then it just never stopped. He was always in the main event picture. But they tried to force him to be the next John Cena when he's really, in some ways, they could have done this in the reverse, like Steve Austin, where he's a heel first and just naturally turns babyface at some point, and we would have oh, got that's behind coming, that. by the way. It, I mean, when it has to come back. I'm not. I'm not sure you can keep him heel for long. Well, you you find ways, right? They they can yeah, find ways, yeah. and the, he can slowly turn babyface. But you can't turn him on a dime. You no. have to keep this going because him going. Well, we'll get to the main event, but the, him the way he's handling the Usos, this is not over with whoever he feuds with next. I fully expect him at TLC to hurt somebody and put him down for good. I hope. Like, he really needs to do some more heinous acts, but he's just too good at this shit. No, it's great, man. It's It feels organic. For the first time, it feels like they're not scripting him. Yeah. Like, heavily scripted. This, this feels like bullet points. Like, yo, you know what? You sit down with Paul. Paul gives us the okay. We don't got to script your shit. We trust Paul. And then just let him run. And... Man, it's breath of fresh air. And it's crazy because Seth's out on paternity leave. There's no reason why Seth can't come back next summer and have a run. And we might see each member of the Shield back to back to back on the top of a PWI list. It's They're possible. that good. It's possible, not counting, you know, whatever the hell Seth's going to do. But you look at it, they're always in the running, those three. It's crazy. They could stand on top of the industry as solo guys. You know what's really amazing? When you look at all this, like the landscape of the Shield, and how many babyface heel turns both Moxley and Rollins had, and Romans had like none in all that time. Yeah. Ro- like Rollins flipped babyface to heel at least four to five times. <laughs> Dean Ambrose did the same thing. Babyface heel, babyface heel, babyface heel. But every time they made both Rollins and Ambrose babyface, it didn't work. It worked like for a brief minute with Rollins. 
But as soon as they got like it got good with Rollins, he became a douchebag. Yeah. And not on purpose. People didn't like the whole white meat babyface thing. Ambrose didn't work because they made him completely toothless. The Brock Lesnar feud. It just didn't yeah. work. And all this time, they were like, we refused to turn Roman Reigns heel when he was the best heel that you had. And you just didn't do it. It's crazy. They luck into a lot of stuff. This, just the latest of them. So we had that first match, that promo. We get the Street Profits versus the New Day next. If it wasn't for the main event, this might have been the match of the night. Yo, this was so good. It was good. I noticed at first... My first, let's, first off, the entrance. The entrance by the New Day in full Gears of War with the with the trumpet, with the chainsaw on it. Oh, yeah. that was incredible. Yeah. Big E coming out. If, that, if there was a live crowd, everyone would have popped. It would have been insane. You wouldn't have heard anything in the building. Oh, no. It was so I, I love that. Those guys, oh, man. I, I like the idea that not all the time. But that they can still come out together at pay-per-views. Yeah. This was... Like, yo, we're, we're still a unit. Yeah, they're still the New Day. Uh, yes, I still hate that they broke them up, right? Like, I still hate it. But, because I still think they could have done all this on the same show. Yeah. But... They split them up. They didn't break them yes, up. Yes, they like split the them up. Right. Yeah, very true. I like the distinction. So, when they come back and do something like this, it feels really good. And then, again, yep. if anybody noticed, uh, they were wearing the New Day Rocks gear again. With like the schoolhouse rock with historical figures on it. They had like Rosa Parks and like I don't know if anybody caught that. They just wore it in, in a different colorway. Like what they do, which is really weird now when you think about it, because when we first started this podcast is when the New Day first started. They're now the OGs. And in this match is exactly like I'm watching this match and I'm going, yo, this is this is not a passing of the torch. This is an anointing moment for the Street Profits. Because the New Day just absolutely did, had no reason to go over. None. No. They just had to make but the man, Street Pipers look like a million bucks. And that's exactly what they did. They did. it. Three minutes into that match, they pinned Montez Ford in the corner. And they're just tagging back and forth. The ref is counting. They stop at four. They tag the next guy in. They come back in. And I'm like, oh, shit. We're seeing real tag team wrestling. Yeah. And then right after that, you go in like the revival, I forgot which one, like Dash Hardwood or some shit, tweets, thank you, New Day and Street Profits. Like, yeah, like that's real tag team wrestling. There's psychology to this. This, I mean, this was good. Not just, it wasn't just good because it was a bunch of black people in the ring. Although that helps for me. That does help. Because I've never seen two babyface black tag team champions in a match against one another. And this will get to my other point later when we start comparing AEW versus WWE. And I'm going to make a very distinct point. Some people didn't disagree, didn't like it, but I'm going to make a point in a minute. But we just saw two babyface black tag teams in a match where neither of them had to cheat or play the heel role. They both played the hero role as themselves to a T. No shenanigans. And the better team won, and then they showed respect afterwards. Never yep. seen this before. And perfect. Perfectly done. Elevated both tag teams. The New Day don't look weak. Um, that frog splash by Montez Ford is just money every time. Dude, real quick. Kofi and Montez standing across the ring from each other gave me goosebumps for like a, a hot second. Because I was like, we're looking at the future. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the super agile 
guy of the past 10 years and then the new super agile guy. Yeah, like Kofi became champ. And he's standing across the ring with Montez Ford, a guy who in some ways Kofi has paved the way for. And they're standing across the ring from each other. They don't even move. They're just looking at each other. And I got chills for a high second. I was like, yo. Because we see it. We all see it. Montez Ford is a star. But then. Hands down. But then, as the match is progressing, I'm going, Angelo Dawkins looks really good in this match. And Woods does too. It was like it was no real weak link. But you know that Kofi, what he stands for, is exactly what Montez Ford is stepping into. And just watching yep. these two, these these guys play off each other, Montez Ford hits the trouble in paradise on Kofi, and I popped because I was like, "That's a moment. <laughs> yeah. That's a moment." Like you don't, I don't know who booked this match. I haven't talked to the guys. I thanked, I, I hit them. I was like, "Yo, this match was incredible. You liked it? Yes. This this match is black excellence. This is what we needed. Uh, this was incredible. But I don't know who was the agent for this match, who put it together. But this was. It wasn't a five-star match, but it was like a flawless match. There was nothing wrong with it. It was really yeah. good. No, I, I think this is one of those matches where you say, if it had actual stakes, maybe it would have been five-star territory. You know, like if this was at Mania, both belts hanging in the rafters, and say they decided to unify tag divisions, and they gave you that match you'd be like fuck this now it means something like now that would have made it pop even more there was a couple matches like that tonight where you're like yo they put on this same match at mania it's great tonight this shit feels huge if you do it at mania so like kudos to a lot of people performing tonight i think the new day did an awesome job in that match street profits like you said did great um angelo dawkins listen I've been talking about both of us got to lose weight. This guy dropped 30 pounds in like three weeks. He looks. He, he looked great, great tonight. He looked amazing. I'm like, shit, he putting the pressure on me. I got to go on my diet ASAP. I got to hit the gym. That guy looked phenomenal. I've been giving him shit and myself shit at the same time. So, nah, kudos to him. It it looked great tonight. And uh, like you said, two babyface tag teams. And still, the New Day's not going anywhere. But you see that next step that, okay, these guys are here to stay. They want to be that next great WWE tag team with the Usos, with the New Day, and be on that same level. They're not just a comedy act. No. I don't I, even remember those guys that were doing the stupid shit against the Viking Raiders. Oh, God, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Uh, and yeah, I think exactly. that, that's the other they thing. They are not them. The New Day have proven that they're also not territorial. They're not going to be like, we're, we're the only black guys on top of the roster. They're here to put other yep. teams over. This was a moment. Like, I don't think this was a moment. Like, I'm watching this match. I'm like, yo, this is a moment. And then it turns out, like, this entire pay-per-view, well, network special, whatever we call these things these days, it was a moment. Because the New Day didn't have to make them look good. They didn't. They, they could have just had a really good match and just kind of moved on. But the moment that they shared in the locker room after that they put on social media... That was a moment. They're all sitting there and they're passing the, the street profits pass Xavier the cup and they wipe it with a disinfectant wipe. And then Biggie's like standing there like, I don't want any of that. Like I'm watching this and I'm like, yo, we, we didn't even have enough wrestlers, black wrestlers in WWE to do this in prominent positions yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, you, you didn't have five of them. No. Hell no. And this is just one match. So, yeah, man, it, it's incredible. Um, we still have half of the pay-per-view to review. So let's take our first break right now. When we come back, we're going to go over the next 
four matches, taking us all the way through the Roman Reigns main event. And then after that, wrap everything up by talking about Undertaker, the tribute, and his career in WWE, in case this is actually it. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, just that quick. We are back. And next match up on the list, Dre, Bobby Lashley, United States Champion versus Sami Zayn, SmackDown Intercontinental Champion. It was a quick match. It didn't feel quick, which is a credit to them. I think Sami Zayn's work, not only on the mic building this up, but, you know, walking to the ring, his attitude throughout the match. I thought it was really good. It was really smart. It had a theme, and I thought they pulled it off to a T with, of course, Bobby Lashley winning because Bobby Lashley needed to win. So this was a match that... We all know how good Sami Zayn is. He's insanely yep. good as a heel. He plays a role that's different than other. It's kind of like the old school chicken shit baby, uh, chicken shit heel role. But there's this added amount of snark that only Sami Zayn can accomplish. And you head into this match and you look at him and Bobby Lashley and you go, "Yeah, he can't win this." The Hurl Hurt business is there. Like you're watching, you're looking at this, it's just like no way. And then they do the match. And after having the New Day and Street Profits give this phenomenal tag team match, we got what I almost would like to call the Toro Yano match, where Sammy was just trying shenanigans any way he could. He had, he had <laughs> yeah. vertigo. He tried, to get, he tried to get Shelton to hit him so he could get DQ'd. He bitched, moaned, and complained, and he ran away. They finally got caught in the full Nelson and tapped out. And through all that, it just kind of further showcased the brilliance of Sami Zayn. 
Because he, he makes all this work, and then next week, he can hell of a kick somebody and get a clean pin, and we won't even blink. But he was supposed to lose this match. They, the odds were stacked against him. They, had, they, they didn't need to have him steal the win. They didn't need to have him do anything but be this version of Sami Zayn. That's it. He, he did what was needed for the match and did it in the best way possible. We knew the outcome, but he made it entertaining anyway. And that's the best thing you can say about someone. Like, yeah, you know what? We had fun getting to the result we knew was coming. It could have been blah. It could have been boring. The WWE does that a lot. They could have just, you know, three spears by Bobby Lashley, put someone in a full Nelson match over. He's done that several times. R.A.P. Ricochet. <laughs> so it could have been that. But it wasn't. Sammy shined in the moment getting to the end. And there's a lot to be said about that. So I like that match. But again, just if someone's keeping score on the scorecard, another black man who wins. Yeah. You know, another black champion, another black man who wins. Um, super cultural diversity. You come out, Sami Zayn cuts the promo to the announced team in French. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to my Canadians. You know, like, we all know Sammy's super woke. Sammy's that dude. So, like, do you just see... Again, the diversity in WWE is huge. And then we roll over to the next match. Champion versus champion. Sasha Banks versus Asuka. Get 13 minutes, which I, I think was great. It didn't feel as good as maybe their match when Asuka got the belt from Sasha. Um, on the same night where like Bailey defeated Asuka or whatever. And then they faced each other on Raw like a little bit before then. I think both of those matches were still better. But tonight wasn't bad either. And tonight, subtly, was good because Sasha never lost to Asuka. Or excuse me, Sasha never beat Asuka before. So for the first time her beating her, she wins tonight by roll-up. So she still really hasn't beaten her with like a bank statement. She's never made her tap out. She had to steal one to finally, finally get a win over Asuka. There's still meat on that bone. I like that. Ready for my hot take? <clears throat> yeah. Have at it. Sasha Banks and Asuka are the Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels of the women's division. They will never give you a bad match. The matches have always been different. And it took a while to get to it when it really mattered. Because they were too busy focusing on other people. Back when Shawn Michaels and, and, and Bret Hart were fighting for the IC title, everybody yeah. saw it. And they were like, why aren't these guys headlining? They're working their ass off. And then it took years later. Well, not even. Yeah, maybe a couple years later when Brett and Sean finally headlined WrestleMania. But you knew the magic when you saw it. It was there. It was it, like Sasha and Asuka have a different kind of magic. And I don't think they can ever fail us with a match. The way that these two work, like Asuka countering the Meteora with a Codebreaker, for instance. Sasha valiantly trying everything in her power to nail that bank statement, but she couldn't. Asuka finding her way out of it. Sasha bumping like a maniac for Asuka. That's what she does. And there are, I know we talk about Charlotte, but Charlotte doesn't get this match out of either of these two like these two get it out of each other. Now, I know we always talk about Sasha and Bailey, but the thing about Sasha and Bailey is Bailey needs Sasha. In order to have that match. Sasha doesn't need Bailey. 
Sasha has Asuka. And at some point, they're going to have a match for much bigger stakes. I don't know when it'll be. But this match, with Sasha finally getting one over on Asuka, was, it was the equivalent to Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart at Survivor Series. It's a match that nobody really talks about. But a lot of people go, this is one of their better matches. It was quick and to the point. It delivered what it, and it was different from all their other matches. Because the Bret Hart Stone Cold match from Survivor Series, I'm remembering correctly, is Stone Cold slaps on the Million Dollar Dream and Bret Hart rolls him up. Yeah. Off the turnbuckle. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened here. Like, she, like Sasha needed to find a way to win. And it, it was a bunch of crazy reversals down the stretch and then she got over. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, yo, these, these two are the ones. Yeah, Charlotte's, you know, Charlotte's great and everybody's going to talk about Charlotte. But she's not Asuka and Sasha. Their chemistry is stupid. The WWE has an embarrassment of riches in its women's division. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We'll talk about the five-on-five match as well, but an embarrassment of riches. Like, you can always put the belt on Asuka and be fine. Like, carry a division. She damn near carried Raw for like a month. Heading into Money in the Bank. Like, you'll be fine. Sasha... And Bailey showed up on NXT and popped like the biggest NXT rating this year. When Sasha challenged their champion. And then Sasha goes to SmackDown and her and Bailey have a match for the title on SmackDown and pops one of the biggest SmackDown ratings of the year. Like it's nuts. They are draws in the company. And Sasha's the, the same way. Like sooner, I mean, Roman's great and we'll get to that. And they got guys like Drew and other people at the top who can carry it. But sooner or later, these two women are going to be the best in the company. Sasha could elevate to a point where she is the best wrestler in the company. Man, woman, whatever. Mascot, as we saw today on the pre-show, doesn't matter. She could be the best worker in the company. And that's wild. She's, abs- she's so. absurdly good. And, and there's some people like, ah, she botches, and, or this, that, and the third. She's always killing herself. But there are a few women in pro wrestling, a few people in pro wrestling, like another comparison I'll make. There's few people that have passion about this business as Sasha, the way Ric Flair has passion about this business. Sasha cries on a dime when she talks about pro wrestling because she loves it that much. And, yeah, we've seen, we see her in The Mandalorian. And then some people are like, well, she's going to be done with wrestling. No, she's not. I don't think she can get away from this shit. She loves it too much. I think she'll do both if she can. But she's 28. That's what I'm saying. She's, like, she's wild young, but you don't see people with this level of passion about the business. Like People are like, oh, she cries a lot but because she, she loves it. And every time that she wrestles and she has a moment, she thinks about the things that inspired her. Eddie Guerrero, women in wrestling, you know, meeting Bailey. Like, she talks about those things a lot. She gets really emotional about them. But then it bleeds into her work because she's willing to give it all to this business. She kills herself all yep. the time. And it's the only thing I'm ever concerned about with Sasha is she take because she's still relatively small. She takes a bump the wrong way and it ends her career because she's willing to do anything. If they're like, jump off the hell in the cell, she'll look and be like, all right, cool, let's do it. Like, she looks like that type. Like, she'll probably yeah, ask, she would. <laughs> she probably ask, like, well, what's the storyline? Why am I jumping off this shit? I'm not, I'm not going to do it for no reason. And if you give her a good enough reason, she'll go, all right, cool, I'll do it. That's the type that she strikes me as. Asuka's just a badass. 
It's just you you look at Oscar and they've tried. They tried with the Carmella shit. They tried when she got beat by Charlotte. And then she keeps coming back yeah. and she keeps reminding people like, yo, I'm arguably the best worker in this business. Quit fucking with me. They try to turn her heel and make them goofy with the Kabuki Warrior shit. And then she was even better. She turned that yeah. shit into gold. She she's then too they had good. to turn her baby face because she got way too way too hot on yeah, commentary. Like, they was like, oh, she's this is good. Like this is way too good, and they can't yep. they can't stop. So these two these two they could define this business again. I I think Charlotte is really good. She's a great ring general, but she ain't these two. Not to me. No, she brings something different though. Like she she is a necessary piece as well. Oh, absolutely. I'll never take that away. She, yeah, she's like, like a she's she is she's the prestige she she is the flash to their substance and not saying she doesn't have substance but she she has that that air about her that everyone should be chasing her and i'm trying to figure out a good comparison because like if it was the horseman she'd be rick flair right charlotte would be yeah. rick and i don't know if like Sasha's like the Malenko or the Benoit or the like in terms of worker like everybody knows Ric Flair is one of the greatest of all time right but yep there was always somebody that could that could still outwork Rick like Rick was really good at what he did but there was other wrestlers who get, would give him like Steamboat gave Flair hell and it, like they just knew how to work I can't. I don't know who to compare Sasha to in that regard, because Sasha can always cut, also cut a promo, and I don't know how far this babyface Sasha thing is gonna get, because the best version of Sasha will always be a heel. But yeah, I mean to bring it all back full circle, like this, this, this was the match that pushed it from a B plus to an A to me, because I expected it to be solid, and it didn't give me too much. It didn't give me thirty minutes because I didn't need it, because there were other matches that got there, but it gave me more for less, and I enjoyed that. No, I agree. I, I think it was well-paced, perfectly timed, good match. And, and you know it's not the end between those two. It doesn't have to continue next week, next month. You know, it could go into six months from now. But the storyline is still laid, and you're still engaged in it like it happened yesterday. And that's the biggest credit you can give to both of them. And then, uh, again, black woman winning. So check that box. Now... We go to Team Raw women's match. Uh, Team Raw, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce versus Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Bailey, Natalia. I don't think this needed to be 23 minutes. It didn't. This one felt long. It was. And Bailey getting eliminated first. All right, like Seth got eliminated first, I guess. Um, I thought Team SmackDown was going to win this, by the way, but I was off. So Bailey getting eliminated first, and then after that, the the rest of the match, like Natalia really didn't bring anything to this, and then no one on Team Raw jumped out to me at all. I Shayna had a good showing. Everyone else, no, and Nia Jax's ring gear was just horrible. I don't know why they do this to her. I don't know if that was supposed to be a heart on the front of her ring gear, but someone with an objective eye has to look at this and be like, you know what, that kind of looks like a uterus. 
So, uh, yeah, the ring gear wasn't great. Naya had great ring gear like two weeks ago on Raw, which was dope. It was all black, looked menacing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, stop fitting stuff inside of the theme. You know, you still got a bedazzle red shit on someone. We know she's on Team Raw. Just let her wear black. But, yeah, so Naya was in it. I. Oh, no, the, the corniest thing for me is that earlier in the day, if we're re- rewinding everything, they put up this video of Lana talking about how bad wrestling fans can be, right? And a lot of people on social media are backing Lana. Like, see, this is what bullying does. This is why you can't talk to these wrestlers like they're not people and blah, blah, blah. Great video. Fast forward to this match, it all just seems like a work because Naya and the team bullies Lana, tells her to get out of the ring and stand on the steps. It really shits on that video earlier. And a real message underlying in that video seems like they just used it to play everyone. All right. I knew the end of this match was going to start. I just didn't know how we were going to get there. I knew, I think I said it last week, I knew Lana was winning. Oh, Lana's going to take the belt off of Asuka. Mm, I don't know about all that. It's going to be ridiculous. I don't know about all that. She may turn, end up turning out to be their Otis. <laughs> Maybe. But they packaged this entire program around Nia Jax destroying Lana week after week on the stupid-ass table. The yep. SmackDown team wasn't put together with nothing but scotch tape. They just kind of threw them in, in there and it was like, all right, cool. And when you looked at that team, you're like, well, it's probably Bianca Belair showcase. And that's what it ended up being. Surprisingly, yeah. Peyton Royce got her shine by getting rid of uh, Bailey. Also need to note that, yo, if you're going to do a superplex off of the, the top turnbuckle onto the floor, <laughs> make sure somebody catches the one on top. You mean the eight people that were there to catch? They all caught Peyton. Them? They caught Peyton Royce. They were like, no oh, shit. Bailey. Like, they were like, oh, shit, we forgot her. And she, yo, Bailey hit that shit so hard. I was like, oh my God, I hope she's all right. Could have broke her tailbone. But yep. Peyton going over on Bailey, that didn't bother me. I kind of like that. I like those surprises, right? I was yeah. like, cool. Bailey didn't need it. Whatever. Bailey, Bailey definitely didn't need the rim. Peyton Royce needed the rub, but they need to put her back with Billy Kay, who is fucking hilarious. Billy Kay. Crushing Kay's- it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> but like separating these two seems like more and more of a mistake every single week. Because you like th- yeah. them to get they're a comedy act, right? But at the same time, they can find their own identity still being together. Like yeah. Billy Kay is doing things and Peyton Royce, like having her around, you know, the women's right is fucking dumb. But yeah. the uh the match itself, like I'm watching the match, and I'm like, all right, they're trying to work. Like Liv Morgan, she got her shit in real quick and then got eliminated. And then I'm just watching Lana's just standing there just looking dumb. And I'm like, she's going to win this shit. And then for a quick second. So Bianca Belair ends up being the last person. And then the Bianca Belair showcase begins. And I look and I go, here we go. Black excellence again. Not only that. It's not just because she's black. She's fucking good. She like she oh, incredible. is. If you give me, I think Sean Ross Sapp, a fightful, said, give me Bianca versus Sasha at WrestleMania. And I was like, Get, take my goddamn money now. That, Give them 20 minutes, you, you're getting five stars. Uh, Easy. Bian- I mean, Bianca just does everything. Because she's not only agile as hell, quick, and flip, and all that, but she's a powerhouse. She can pick yeah. up anybody on that roster. 
So they get her in there, and for a minute, for a hot second, I was like, Lana's going to cost them, and Bianca's going to win, because that would make sense. Yep. Lana cost them. the bullies. Yeah. She cost the bullies. Bianca could use this win and take it back to SmackDown and be like, this is my house now. I run this. And this all makes sense. Instead, Lana wins because... First of all, Shayna getting like DQ'd off of holding a choke for like three seconds too long was dumb. That was so stupid. So I was watching this with the reverse rat pack on a live stream. And shout out to Danny Acosta. He lost his shit over that elimination because he's like, Bianca passed out. You can't get a rope break if you already passed out. He's like, you lost if you passed out already. That's the end of the submission. Yes. And we, him and Big Mac argued about this for like the rest of the night. I was like, no, nah, I think she did the road break before she passed out. He was like, no, she was passed out. And I was like, yeah, that does seem like WWE shenanigans. It was dumb. Like, it was dumb. And then I was kind of surprised that commentary didn't play into the previous few of Bianca and Shayna. Shayna's yeah. choked out Bianca two consecutive takeovers where we all thought Bianca was finally going to get that NXT women's title. And she didn't. So I thought at this particular moment, I was like, oh, she's going to reverse this. No, she went to sleep. And I was like, oh, this this isn't it. This is how you get there. And but <laughs> she's, then she, she still can't stop being choked out. No, then she gets then Shayna gets DQ. And I was like, this is dumb. And then Bianca and Nia are working outside. And then Bianca launches Nia over that barricade, and I died. Because the way the visual look of Nia flying over that barricade, I was like, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> And that looked both, great, right? It did. <laughs> and then they both get counted out. And I was like, ah, oh, this yeah. is how we're going to get there. But, but when she flipped her, I was like, yo, I think the ref, because I heard him say eight when Nia charged her. And I was like, she flips and it says nine. And I was like, I think the ref is just going to pause for a very long time. Because <laughs> I think he counted too fast. But then he counts to 10. I was like, oh, wait, that was the plan? That was the plan. I was like, I thought the ref was fucking up. Like, mistiming it. I thought Bianca was going to roll in. So I was like, double count out. And then I saw the face in the Lana and the <laughs> smeared makeup. And then she celebrates. Oh, God. It doesn't make her look strong at all. That's why I say she's their Otis. She's the Otis. There's the, the, she can't wrestle, dude. She can't. She's not good. No, she, she tried some weird, like, splits, leg drop. During the match, early in the match, and it was so robotic, it wasn't great. No, she's she's not good, but they won't give up on her because she's one of those ones where it's like they hope that she can become Trish Stratus. It's like because remember when Trish back in the day was with TNA with Albert and Test, and then all of a sudden yeah. Trish started wrestling, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, she's fucking good because it came all out of nowhere. Because nobody expected Trish Stratus. They just thought she was a TNA girl. And no, she wasn't. She ended up being a really good wrestler. They, they're trying. They, I know they sit there and go, she's working so hard. Throw her a bone. No, man, she fucking sucks. You got yeah. other women on this roster that you're, you're spoiled with, that you can use. Oh, real quick. Going back to the Sasha and Asuka match. Thank God Carmella didn't interfere. I cringed oh, on Friday. Oh, I cringed on SmackDown when Oscar was just standing there watching Sasha get beat up. I was like, "This is dumb." But Sasha has to win a feud, so I guess like Carmella is a good one for her to win. 
yeah. especially if we, you know, if she's holding the belt till Mania. Yeah, I mean, okay, I get, I get it, but what, what I don't like is why are we debuting a new character just for her to get rocked? Right, like I don't know. That's why debut a character at the top, right? Like, w- let her work her way up, win a couple of feuds. Yeah, that's that's always going to be my problem with WWE. They can't figure this one out. They bring somebody in, they bring them in super hot, and they realize, oh yeah, she's not that good, or he's not that good, and then they get stuck with this yeah. character, and they have nowhere to go with them. And Carmella, like, if she's being brought in just for the Sasha feud, and she's not going over, which she can't. If she does, it'd be stupid. But then, what do you do with this glamorous? Blonde, you got one on Raw. Happened to Lacey Evans. It was a wrap. Trash. Anyway, yeah, they just they keep messing it up. Oh yeah, and then the other one on Raw is with Dana Brooke now. I don't know. Dana and Mandy Rose, and it feels like like Mandy Mandy Rose Rose. is the same run. It's like she tries really hard. She tries to do that V trigger, and it's like, yeah, but she's not really that good. And you don't have to force it. Like Dana Brooke, you don't like let her get beat up. Until she figures this out. Until she gets better. She has to eventually get better before you push them. You can't push them and then hope they get better, Otis. You can't push them to the moon and then go, oh, fuck, they can't work. Now what do we do? No, you let them get beat up or you let them be involved in tag feuds or you let them do other things and then you watch the work and then somebody in the locker room goes, they're ready. That would be like the old Undertaker role. That one's ready. All right, cool. We can roll with that one. But nobody's sitting there going, that one, that Lana, can't wait till she's at the top. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Put that belt back on. Uh, I don't even fucking remember her name. Cody Cody Graves woman. That's what I would call it. Oh, God. Uh, Carmella. Uh, Yeah, put the belt back on Carmella. No, no. No one's clamoring for that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought this match, the way it ended, I don't know where Lana goes, man. She can't win the Rumble. Like, what, what's next? Like, are you going to try so hard that you make her win the Rumble? Like, it, you'll just be wasting shit. Like, they wasted money in the bank on Otis. So, you're right. Um, so, that was ridiculous. But, another example. Black Excellence during that match. Bianca Belair crushed it. Held it down for Team SmackDown. And, before we get to the main event, this brings us to your point. And your tweet of the night, Trey. Tweet of the night. Let the people know the tweet that set wrestling Twitter on fire. I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. Um, I said, oh, I found it because people are retweeting it. As much as I enjoy AEW, they should take some notes from WWE on how to push minority wrestlers. They talked about it last year and the WWE is doing it. I was immediately met with resistance because I've been given AEW pass and I still give them a pass. Let's not be, I'm not indicting AEW and saying they're doing bad things. But there's a thing that is happening on this show that AEW is not doing. And I'll give you like one of my good friends, Murs, immediately hit me. He's like, but AEW has this really diverse roster. True. He's like, they got a transgender. They, have a L- they represent all these communities. They have LAX. They have all this. And I was like, I agree. But, big ass but, the issue with AEW is, yes, you have a diverse roster, but who on that roster has a storyline right now? Yeah, like, it's ex-WWE muscle-bound guys, or the elite. you're part of Chris Jericho's clique. Yeah, Jericho's clique, the elite, or muscle-bound white guys. So, it's not, 
I'm not saying they don't have a diverse roster. I applaud AEW for the level of diversity they have on that roster. Because somebody was like, well, they got top flight against the Young Bucks last week. Yeah, but we don't know what they're doing with top flight yet. Like, Private Party went over on the Young Bucks. And it's yeah. gone nowhere. Scorpio Sky, who we all think should get a push of some sort. Every time that, that you see a black person in AEW, the storyline lasts two weeks and it goes away. Everybody's like, well, Will Hobbs closed Dynamite. I agree. I think Will Hobbs looks great. And he, him, and we are not even really talking about AEW this show, but him joining T- Team Taz makes them look even better. Him, Cage, and yep. Rick. Oh, man. Like, they, they, that trio looks formidable. But if, if Will Hobbs becomes the back, like the bodyguard type to Brian Cage, then it's like, well, what are you doing? Because, all right, so Swole, what's Swole storyline? She's not doing anything really anymore. What no, LAX? The women's division is just all over the place. Like LAX. There's, they've been, the free LAX thing is what we talk about all the time. You get, <laughs> Justin Ivey says it all the time. You, you've been saying it. They don't have a storyline. Yep. What WWE is actually doing, look, I'm not absolving them of their past. They've been a shitty company for, for minorities for a long time. But the diversity is not just cosmetic. They're actually doing shit. The New Day is a, probably the top faction in WWE and is going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And they've made history and they've done all these things. But that's just one. Now you have the Hurt Business. And they were involved in multiple segments on Raw week after week. Yep. Sasha Banks is your women's champ on SmackDown. Asuka is your raw women's champion. Somebody's like, we got Sheeta, but she doesn't have a story. Sheeta doesn't have a story. She just is a wrestler. She doesn't do anything else. No. Like, she literally does nothing. She shows up at pay-per-views. Yeah, she shows up, she wrestles. She barely get on Dynamite. Right, but there's no, we don't know anything about Sheeta. There's no personality. What Raw is doing when I want to talk about pushing minority stars is they're giving them their own personalities. The Hurt Business, they're the tough guy heels. The New Day, they're like, it's the, the whole spectrum of black is on... Pro, is in pro wrestling right now. Keith, Street Profits. Yeah, Keith Lee. Even though I'm still not sure what they're doing with Keith Lee, the fact that Keith Lee got the final pin in that Survivor Series match means something. And maybe it goes somewhere, maybe it doesn't. But they've got so many irons in the fire with black wrestlers, black and brown wrestlers, men and women wrestlers of color. Because even, I mean, come on, man. Jey Uso might as well be black. <laughs> yeah, Jey <laughs> Uso is definitely... A nice shade of brown. Listen, man. And they act like it. Listen, so, I, I told y'all about um, my interview with Jay Uso, and I like I cut like half the interview because we were just talking, and he was like, say, hey, bro, and I was just like listening to him. The way he talks on TV yeah. is how he just talks. He has no filter. Nah, Bay, Bay Area Samoans are incredible. Shout out to my boy Rome and his whole family. Like, I love Bay Area Samoans. I've grown up around a ton of them. They are the best. And yeah, they're just... They're just like that. Yes. I love it. So that's, uh, no, I mean, you look, including Roman, Samoan, Brown, all this. I mean, what? They have one non Brown champion in the company? It's Drew McIntyre. He ain't from America. Yep. And Drew's not from America. He's, <laughs> he's from Ireland. And listen, there's a whole bunch of shit that they had to overcome as well. So listen, his people got plights. They put him over. And then Sami Zayn, who's Canadian and super woke. It's crazy. And Sa- Sammy's what? I'm not sure. Sammy's not Muslim, but what is Sammy? Um. Oh my God. He's Arab. 
Oh, he's Arabic. Yes. God, what is this? He used to have it on the trunks. Now I have to look it up. Yeah, I, I'm having him drawing a brain Nonetheless, fight. but Sammy's, yes, Sammy's another person. He ain't white. Who are you talking about? You're talking about religious Syrian. diversity. He's Syrian. Syrian. And Sami Zayn is the epitome of religious diversity. They put champ- championships and titles on all of these people. Nakamura has held the title for 80% of his WWE run. They let Asuka talk and cut promos in Japanese. I never thought I'd see that shit out of Vince. Not as a babyface. That's usually some heel shit. Shit, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, they still do the stupid, like, oh, I'm a ninja uh, gimmick they have going now, which is ridiculous. But outside of that, you know, they're doing a pretty good job in terms of putting diverse people in positions of power. Yeah. And the, but so yeah, I get, they got to get credit right. Yeah, now. I mean the key the key point that I want to separate from because people keep coming at me about this. And I'm like, look, they all have personalities and storylines. They all of them do to a degree. Even Ricochet's whack promo ass. At least he was involved in something. But when we look at the New Day, the New Day has become a. St- they're not just a faction; they're like a staple. I just, I, I'm sorry, I had to. Shit on Ricochet. I can't right? help it, man. Like Ricochet, <laughs> man, he needs help. Let's be honest, man. Be my boy, oh, He's struggling. All right. He needs to join the hurt business. But yeah, go uh, ahead. he needs to do something. He needs to join promo class. Um, but <laughs> I'm just saying, he's an amazing wrestler. But Jesus Christ, um, God. But yeah, like the New Day, like watching the New Day and Street Profits. I was like, this is special because they represent something. Watching Sasha, because she's not like one type of black woman. Watching Asuka, she's not one type of Asian. Watching Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Watching Keith Lee. The Bianca. Way- yeah, Bianca's a different type of black woman. Right. Like, There's so many levels crazy. to this. Like Even Keith Lee. Like yeah. When you watch Keith Lee pro- cut a promo, and if you closed your eyes, you, and then you open them, you would be like... It comes out of his mouth, not because he's black, because he's big and he looks like a monster, but he, he speaks like a, a, a scholar when he cuts yeah, his articulate. promos. Yep. Like, there is just so many different prisms of black on Raw and SmackDown right now that when I talk about the push, it's letting those personalities shine. Whereas the stories on AEW revolve around the same core of characters and the people of color are there, but it just feels like they're there. Sonny Kiss gets nerfed. Um, Nala Rose. Had, they they're have, just wrestlers. Yeah, like Nala they're Rose hasn't. Random wrestlers. She hasn't embraced who she is. They haven't let her. Like Swole, she's done it to a degree. But now, let's like tell Swole's story. Like you, you really need yeah. to dig in because Swole is. We've had her on Wrestling with Stereotypes, the panel. We're going to have her on the podcast soon. She knows it. But she's got a story to tell, and her personality is very unique. So it's like you got to let those personalities grow. Scorpio Sky, when we had him on that panel, we talked about this. I never expected him to be like that, and now that we got no, it, shot. I text him from time to time. I'm like, let, when are we gonna see that Scorpio Sky? Because yeah, they let you do some shit, then you lose to Sean Spears, and then you look disgruntled, and then you disappear for three weeks. But why don't you come back and have something to do? Because he's got a personality. He can cut a promo. He can do it with the rest of them. AEW's got time. This is why I give them a pass. They've got time to figure this out. Their roster is not nearly as big as WWE's. They haven't been here to fuck up as long as WWE. They'll eventually figure it out, but they should take notes while looking at this show and saying, yeah, we need to diversify our minority wrestlers and let those characters shine through. Yep. You, I mean, it's a problem in WWE as well that we've talked about, but 
you know, on a similar scale, I think AEW might run into the same thing um, where they don't have writers per se, right? But people kind of, you know, script out what's going to happen in storylines and long-term booking. Every company has to do that. It's hard to do that if you don't have people in the room who understand those minority wrestlers. Yes. Right? <laughs> like mean, you, Listen, man. You can't write a three-month story for someone if you don't understand them. The closest they've gotten to is the Kingston story. Which was great. Where he, they really let him lean into things, but they had Moxley and years of history. What happens when you don't have that history to lean on, but you want to tell a similar story? So they just have to... They have to grow. Like you said, they, they will grow. But um, taking notes isn't a bad thing. Like you said, yo, they should take notes. Like, since when is that offensive? I, dude. I, I need to take notes from a lot of people. Yeah. Like, yo, Kel, you should take notes as a journalist from these people. Like, yeah, I probably should. Like, I want to become a better journalist. Like, when is that a bad thing? I don't know. People just took us like, you're shitting. I'm not shitting on AEW. I, love, I think Wednesday nights are the best nights of pro wrestling. As much as I like Survivor Series, Raw and SmackDown suck. Raw more so. Yeah. But you know. Well, SmackDown's better. It, uh, yeah, it's better. I'm just saying, like, yeah. but Wednesday nights are the best nights of wrestling. I've really enjoyed AEW, but watching this show made me realize something as I looked at it. I was just like, they got to diversify these characters. And when you mentioned that yeah. with the writers, the last thing that we can move on to the rest of these matches is if they had a person of color in their, you know, idea room, if they're not writers, that Brandy promo would have never happened. Nope. <laughs> it really wouldn't have. Because, again, the voice and the running this past someone to say, no, that's not good. That ain't it, my G. Like, hey. That's. Nope. Nah, like, nope. That's not. And that's what they're missing. But it'll grow. They have room. You never You know, they brought in guys like Arn Anderson. They brought in guys um, to fill out the back of that room who either left WWE or left other promotions. I'm sure it's only a matter of time until. You know, Impact has D'Lo, who we talked to on Wrestling with Stereotypes and all. There'll be someone of that ilk who they'll probably sign going forward. And it might help. They'll need it. So uh, we just, again, we'll give them time. But I don't think your your tweet was that crazy. Um, let's get to the main event, though. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. <sighs> 25 minutes. This was a match... That felt like it could stand on any other promotion. Which we know Drew has been a part of many other promotions, any promotions. And, and we've seen this out of Drew. The fact that Roman can give this, not that we necessarily doubted it, but a lot of times you develop this new character and you're so character-based that maybe you don't need to give these performances in the ring, especially at in WWE. He backed it up to the point of, no, I can wrestle as well. And I think Drew brought that out of him a little. And damn, this was a great match. Those those J matches were good too, but those are storyline driven. This shit had a two-week build, and I was like, man, I kept looking up at the screen like, damn, this is a really good match. Two big guys who feel like champions, and the first 12 minutes were them just punching and beating the shit out of each other. I was like, man, this is this is good. It felt like we were watching something special. This match felt like a WrestleMania match. 
as I watched it, when I when they both came to the ring with their titles, first and foremost, I'm glad they put the title back on Drew, but they should have never took it off him. If you're just gonna put it back on him, yeah, no, yeah, you didn't I don't have know why. to. But Randy didn't need that. No, Randy didn't need it because when they did nothing with this, they just put it back on. No, Drew. it's it's another cheap win for Randy, and that total keeps getting higher and higher. Yeah, that's, I mean that's like, what it he's felt gonna like. break the record off a cheap win. Yeah, it felt like garbage time, right? It felt like a garbage time touchdown yeah. from Randy, and then it was like, all right, cool, garbage yeah. time. All like right. you're gonna catch Cena because of this? Yeah, like, no. Could you held the belt for two weeks? No, but that it was the right move to make, and the contract um, signing at SmackDown was great. Then these two were standing in the ring, and I looked. And my first thing was, holy fuck, Drew is big. Every time I look at Drew McIntyre, I'm like, this is a big motherfucker. And then I'm looking at Roman, who they finally decided to shed the vest from. And I'm like, god damn, Roman's kind of big too. And like this, this weird, like, oh, this is a hoss fight now. Yeah. And then I'm like, yo, the current iterations of Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns is perfect for a WrestleMania match. In a way small way because it's hard to build this kind of a match for WrestleMania because they're on two different shows but it, it kind of feels like a champion versus champion match is what should happen at WrestleMania where they unify the titles and then I don't know what they do with it I don't know if they give it to somebody else they Naito the shit I don't know what the fuck they do with it but it feels like it should be the season finale to see who's the best and the loser just loses his fucking title and it goes into the abyss and it goes into a tournament while the champ just remains the champ. But this type of match, as they stood there and they held those titles, and I'm like, I feel pretty confident right now that these are the two top guys in, in WWE. Looking at them. Yeah. First time in a long time it felt that yeah, way. Yeah, like it felt. Where the belts are on the two correct people. Right, it felt big. Like I was looking, I was like, they, it felt big. And this iteration of this heel Roman Reigns with this super baby face badass and Drew McIntyre was like yo this is this is it this is what you this is what you work for and I don't even know if WWE until they looked at that very moment when they were standing there looking at each other that they were like oh shit we've got something but you know who also probably knew this Paul Heyman I'm sure he knew I'm sure Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at some point they were like oh we gotta we have to fuck this up because this is the match and then they had this match and it starts off very, um, I don't want to use the word methodical because that's Randy Orton. And that can usually mean boring because it wasn't. It felt like they were kind of ramping up with power moves and then working each other over and figuring each other out because they're kind of sort of familiar with, with each other. And then it just kicked into another gear as it gets closer and closer to the final stretch. When Drew McIntyre reverses the spear and turns it into a Kimura is when all bets were, it was like, oh shit, we got a match now. Because not right after that happened, Roman hits him with a spear. He kicks out. And then he Samoan drops him twice on the commentary table until it breaks. And then he spears him through the barricade, rolls him in the ring, gets another near fall. Then he counters the Claymore with another spear. Couldn't keep him down. Brought me back to F5s on Drew and you couldn't keep Drew down. Which pissed me off because yeah. I was like, why the fuck did he lose to an RKO? <laughs> like, the motherfuckers should never <laughs> lose. But alas, here we are and he's kicking out of everything. And then... The Claymore kick happens. The ref bump happens. And then Jey Uso comes down. And then I was like, oh, these shenanigans actually make sense. Because it works with their characters. And it's not taken away from the match. So Jey interferes. Roman hits uh, Drew, uh, Drew with a low blow. Jey hits him with a super kick. And then he slaps on a standing guillotine. And Drew passes out. 
you can't book it any better than that. Drew doesn't tap. Roman kind of had to cheat to win because he tried to empty the kitchen sink on Drew. Then there's a spot where this was the ultimate badass moment. I don't know if this was booked or not. I don't know who booked this shit. (laughs) Roman looks at Samoa Joe and says, Joe, you done seen this shit before, and you can hear it loud and clear. And I was just like, yo. (laughs) And by the way, you're talking about Roman's next opponent, if you want to keep this tribal chief thing going. Bruh. Oh, man. Give me two months of Roman and Samoa Joe. Bruh. Yes. (laughs) But that that shit was funny. The way, because he looks at Joe, and he says, he says, Joe. You know you done seen this shit before. And I was just like, what the fuck? Are you serious right now? And, yo, this, I mean, this is, I can see somebody giving this a five-star match. I won't agree with it. I wouldn't be mad at it. I I don't agree with it. it, But I can see it because you didn't expect it to be this good. You thought it was going to be good, but there was a little bit of concern that "Ah, I might be just okay. But this match was fucking good. (laughs) <laughs> this was this yeah, this, this was great. Forget good. This was a great Roman Reigns does it again. Who knew? Heel Roman Reigns would be this yeah. good. You know what's crazy? And I mean, I I got to keep it a buck. Me myself, you know, myself included and a lot of other people. Vince, it's fair to say he might be long in the tooth, right? Fair to say. Did you see him at the end? Fair Oh, we'll talk about that. Uh, he looks like a Madame Tussauds wax figure. But when you're saying who knew, you're like, oh, Paul Heyman knew and all. Vince knew this shit like a decade ago. Like, to be fair, these are Vince's two guys. He saw this in Drew what, 14 years ago. Took a while. He saw this in Roman. Didn't really know how to get here. Took a while. But he saw them being this, where they stand toe-to-toe in the ring. You're like, yep, these are the best two guys in the company. Yep. Like, in their prime, in their moments, in their perfect characters. Because this is a baby face. That Drew is a baby face. And a badass one at that. You don't have to be a soft-ass baby face anymore. And they figured that out. Yeah. Roman is the epitome of a heel. And Vince saw it. He, he pushed him at the wrong times at times. He had to let Drew go. It, it was a long road to get here. But if there's two people Vince has anointed since Roman, Randy, and all this shit, it's these two. And the guy was right. Mm, yeah. He lucked into it. He, he, did. he did. He did. Like the pandemic, the pandemic helped him. He lucked into this shit, but he saw this years ago, decades ago. Yeah, but, man was right. Yo, it, it took a few things for for Drew to work. Right, he had to grow some facial hair and some chest hair. <laughs> yeah, the chest hair, the chest hair helped. Roman had to get new teeth. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that had to go into some this. cosmetic shit. Like to imagine this guy was in 3MB, right, with Drew McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, and look at him now. Like this is. He had to leave. He had to go work the indies. He had to learn how to bring a more brutal style with him to the ring and learn how to work it as a babyface and a heel. He's, he's, he's got it all. He's figured this shit out. Roman Reigns, he's had it all. They just never unleashed it. And yep. this match was the epitome of these two being at the top of their game at this current point in time. 
And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad. I don't know how you get there because you can't really bill it from week to week. But if they did this at WrestleMania, I wouldn't have been mad. Like the way that this is a this is a good plan B. Yeah. Cause you can pull this together in three weeks for Mania and people are sold on it. Yep. It's a good plan B. It's a lot, man. I mean, obviously, you know, we all still want to see Big E uh, win the Royal Rumble and challenge yeah, on the range. Yeah, yeah, we do. There's a lot of things. We, yep. There's a lot of beautiful angles we can work with. I'd like to see Keith Lee versus McIntyre. Right. There's some hard shit that they can, like, we'd like to see that. But yeah. they, this was so well done. Heyman didn't interfere. He just did the Heyman faces. And then it, yeah. it, it ended. And then Roman steps out the ring. Looks at Jay, and he's like, yo, you got to ch- seat at the big table tonight, right? Like, you don't have to eat in the fucking outhouse. Yeah. Like, you're good. And it's crazy because, like, Jay's like, hell yeah. <laughs> he's accepted his role. I don't know how you bring Jimmy into this. He got to beat the shit out of Jimmy here in a second and make sure he comes in line. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Sooner or later, he's going to be healthy. You need them as a tag team. Yeah, they'll figure it. And this this is where I think the beauty in like the Big E feud with Roman, if they decided to go this route for WrestleMania, because his boys are on Raw and can't help him. So he's getting fucked up by the Usos every week. <laughs> yeah. He can't like, that's his boys, but they're on the wrong show. She's like, what you going to do? And they're all boys. Yeah. Like, they've all been friends. There's so much they can do there. There's a lot there, but this match of Survivor Series, like this is what this is why I gave it an A minus. This Oscar and Sasha, and the tag team match. Funny as you guys listen to this, I am texting Kofi and, and Xavier right now. Biggie sleep because he goes. The man sleeps like he's 60 years old. Um, <laughs> but I just text him to tell him how great the match was, and they were just like they, Kofi's telling me, you know, how good it felt to do that. And what I'm telling him is and. You know, this is a podcast. We can talk about this shit. I talk to these guys. I'm telling them this. I never thought I'd see the day where you could be the OGs who are now holding the door open for the future of pro wrestling, the future of black pro wrestling, and that. And I think they felt it too, because they we never thought that the, the new day would last this long, and I can't believe I was watching this match and I was like, wow, they are, they are the they are the guys that the the younger town look up to now. Yep. They've done it. They've done it. So this pay-per-view, this network special, whatever the fuck it is, aside from the two Survivor Series matches, which are stupid, this was a really good pay This was a really good event. Now, I'm separating that from The Undertaker. We can take a last commercial break and talk about his old ass. Yeah. Vince, <laughs> listen, you talking like they call The Undertaker the dead man. When Vince came out there, I said, God damn, is he alive? I think it took all of those people. And we'll talk about that shit, I guess, when we come back. It's... It's crazy. But listen, man, it's always nice to see Vince in the ring. We'll take our last break. When we come back, we're talking Vince, we're talking Taker, and we're talking the end of Survivor Series. You guys stay right there. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today 
and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, as promised, we're back and we're here to wrap it up talking about Taker, Vince, and everything that was the last 40 minutes of Survivor Series. And it starts off, and really, they could have just ended this shit. Just make this like a special or something. Yeah, I I didn't need this to be part of it at all. But I stayed around because I thought shenanigans, right? Like, they, they hooked me in with, like, possible shenanigans. I was pissed by the end of this. But you started off. Like, you need to kill time by marching anyone who agrees to still be the Undertaker's friend to the ring. And maybe some people didn't. I'm not sure where Kevin Nash stands with a guy who's full Blue Lives Matter. Kevin Nash is super woke. But whoever would travel down to Florida for this shit, they start bringing all of them into the ring one by one, full entrances, to the point where Kane shows up in full gear. And he's a mayor. And he threw on the fake wig in full gear to come down to the ring. No one else is in full can gear. We, can we? Can Do you think he got the memo? Do you think anybody told Kane that he probably didn't have to dress up for this shit? Like he got. Yo, if this shit was a rib, I would die. What if they ribbed him? It was like, yo, we're all wearing this. Yo, they had Henry Godwin came out right. Like Henry Godwin, like the Godfather, dude. Savio Vega came out. And Kane came out with full gear, and I was like, he got all dressed up for nothing. Like, he was the guy, you know, like, they say it's a black tie affair, but you end up finding out it's like, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. And there's one guy in the suit, and he's like, nobody fucking told him that he didn't have to dress up for this shit. <laughs> like, nobody told That was Kane. Kane came in, and I, I guarantee you, like, Kane was walking down that ramp and looked down, and he was like, you motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. <laughs> you motherfuckers. I am a politician, bitch. Like, I, I, am a, I am in the fucking political arts, and you got me out here in this goddamn gear and this stupid-ass wig. To, and then, and then, to make matters worse, they trot everybody out, go to a package, come back, and everybody's gone. What? <laughs> gone. Not a dap. Not a kudos, not a bow, not a speech in sight. You brought me all the way out here for this what? shit? <laughs> they made Kane put on all that gear, the makeup, the wig, <laughs> to walk down there, stand in the ring, and then they go, all right, Kane, come on, let's go home. And they're like, he's like, what do That's I do? It. Like, he, he flew down there for that. Dapped up Shawn Michaels and Triple H and took his ass home. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they all went to the ring because it took that 12, 13 minutes for Vince to physically get up out of Gorilla and walk to the ring. That might be true. It was all just a distraction to get Vince to the ring because I'm not sure how fast the man got. And and Vince got to the ring and it was just like they showed Vince and two things happened. One, I realized how old I was because I was just watching... Dark Side of the Ring. I, there was a couple episodes of Dark Side of the Ring that I hadn't watched. And they showed younger Vince. And I was like, wow. Yep. It's like, it's like 30 years ago. And I'm looking at him. And like, his hair is brown. He looks healthy. And then he was jacked at one point. Like, just super jacked. And then I'm thinking, well, just a couple of years ago, he didn't look that old. And then he comes out here. And I was like, they call the Undertaker the dead man. Vince McMahon is dead. 
I don't know what's keeping this man seventy five years old. Yo, listen, he's must be off his HGH. Something's not right because it, it just he looked like it, it was just the skin was just barely hanging on. And I wonder, Vince, he's four years older than Rick. I mean, look, man, Vince and Donald Trump are like roughly the same age, right? And I don't necessarily want to call Vince evil, but evil lives forever. Old motherfuckers, <laughs> they don't know how to die. For whatever, they like, they don't, they can't figure it out. Like, how do I die? I, I just, I'm so angry I can't die. I'm just such an asshole I won't die. Like, Donald Trump's not dying anytime soon. He got the COVID and lived, right? Like, Vince, yeah. he comes out. Easy. Beat it in like three days. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you see Vince McMahon standing there, and I'm like, in, in my head, I was like, he's going to die soon. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, he's not. He's not going to die. Because no. he'll die in Gorilla at some like really strange, unexpected thing. Like Alex Trebek when he passed <laughs> from Jeopardy. And he'd be like, oh, no, he's gone. But like, it won't be any yep. signs of Vince fading away. It, no. It'll just happen. Alex did a show like two weeks before. Yeah. like that, So that was just... Working, working probably keeps him alive. Exactly. Getting up every day, having something to do, going to work. Like... Yeah, it keeps that that spirit going. Now that I remember it, though, I'm not sure Vince took the walk to the ring because everyone was in the ring. Package. Vince is in the ring by himself. It's bright as fuck in the ring right now, right? Vince gives his speech and then says, The Undertaker. And then it cuts to the ramp and Taker's coming down. And long ass entrance, and by the time Taker gets there, Vince is gone. It's very possible that they just taped that shit earlier in the week. Yeah. Or earlier in the day, people came to the ring, you cut to the package, they all start going to the back, you play Vince's pre-taped speech, and then Taker comes out. Vince never went to the ring. I think that was a pre-taped package. Oh boy. Now that I think about it. I don't think he ever got out of Gorilla. I think they recorded that early, and then Taker just came out once everybody else came to the back. Yeah. Done enough news production to see how that shit works. Now that I think about it, like those hard cam cuts, like they cut a million times. Vince was one take. And then you cut straight to the ramp to Taker. No one went either direction. And when you get to Taker, it's dark as fuck again. Vince was the only one in like super bright lights. I'm pretty sure that was just pre I mean... Vince was at the end of that package. It, now that I think about it. And it didn't have to... Vince didn't take 14 minutes to walk either way. Yeah. So, it was what it was. Like, then Undertaker comes out. Little cool moment. He kind of, like, floats when he gets to the top of the stairs. I'm like, all right. He got he got the Nokia ringtone entrance. Like, I, I was yeah, like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Right? Like, the music, I was like, what is this meaty shit? Like, <laughs> what? Techno taker. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what is going on here? But anyway, he gets to the ring. He floats up. Uh, he steps in. And then the, it got weird. Here's why it got weird. <laughs> then it got weird. <laughs> yeah, like, all the other shit was weird, too. But here's where it got really weird for me. Undertaker's doing this farewell, right? But who is he saying farewell to? Because nobody's fucking there. And as he's saying this farewell, they're pumping in crowd noise, which is not real. Thank you. Thank you, Taker. Right. And Undertaker is pausing for the chance to die down, which means he's waiting for somebody to turn down the volume or hit pause. 
He's retired like eight times. They had plenty of places to take that from. Right. But that's why it was weird because I was like, well, now he's looking emotional. And I never took Taker as like a great actor. But was he really taking the fake chance to heart of thank you, Taker? (laughs) This was getting bizarre to me, right? Because he's he then I'm like, I'm waiting for like this speech. Because mind you, I just watched the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold and just watching him talk. And I'm like, well, shit, Taker's got stories. He can give us a few. No. Just kind of said, time to say goodbye. And then, like, yep. stood there for a long time. Got on one knee, which I was like, I don't know if he's going to get up. Because it looked like it was hard for him to get down on that knee. And then they gave us the Paul Bearer hologram, which is like, that's a nice touch. And I was like, that was cool. And then he gets up. And then I'm looking at my watch. And I'm like, the f- why is it so fucking long? Like, he, we just, you remember, like, Undertaker just lost to Roman Reigns recently, like, laid down the gloves, put the fist up, went to the ground, we're like, oh, shit, it's over, and that took all, like, five minutes. This fucking shit took 40 minutes for him to say goodbye to people that didn't exist. To everybody at home, man, to everybody at home. I I didn't feel emotional or anything, because, again, I don't believe he's gone. Mm. You can only do this so long. It's like BJ Penn in MMA. Oh, God, not BJ Penn. Like, I felt bad for him for like two seconds when Frankie Edgar beat his ass. And I was like, oh, that's sad. And it's over for BJ. He cut that promo afterwards. And I was like, oh, shit, all right. He's gone. And then he's come back like eight times after that. Yes, I'm including the one time he took an ass whooping to the man in the middle of the street in Hawaii over the summer. Mm-hmm. That, that counts as a comeback. But I feel the same way about Taker. Like... Really? I thought The Fiend was going to jump him tonight. He didn't. Cool. Taker maybe wants to walk away. Then in two months, it's going to be mania season, and he's going to be like, why am I sitting at home? And there's no fans, but I can do a cinematic match, and I can be right back in there. And Bray, you want to do it? Like he did to Brock Lesnar. You want to do it? And then get his ass up and be in WrestleMania again. Like, I don't believe it until I believe it. And that's where I'm at. I don't think he's going to stay away. If it's not this year, we'll see him again. At some point, he'll be back. I don't care. I guess is my answer. Like, you go, like, Ric Flair can never retire again. The time he retired on Raw after getting super kicked by Shawn Michaels was his retirement, in my mind, right? If he ever comes back to the ring and says, I'm done, I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here. I'm not listening to you anymore. You've been done. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know you know how black people have, like, really long goodbyes? You got family like this. You're like, yo, see you later. <laughs> all right, then. And you start heading to the door, and then they just start talking. It's like, all right, motherfucker, goodbye. And they're not leaving. They're, like, still here. This was the under. This is the Undertaker's career. He said goodbye. I took him at goodbye, and now I'm waiting for you to leave. Because all that's left for you to do is leave. I don't need to hear you say goodbye anymore. You don't say, all right, I'm leaving now. No, I know. You already told me goodbye. Get the fuck out. And he's not doing it. That's, like, that's what Ric Flair did. Ric Flair said goodbye. We all said bye, Rick, And we all got emotional with him. We was like, oh, man, see you later, Rick. It's been a great career. And then Rick stood in my living room for 20 minutes and just kept talking. And I'm like, Rick, get the fuck out. You said goodbye. This is what Undertaker's been doing. Time to go. So now I don't care. If you come back, look, you already told me goodbye. I'm checked out. I don't care what you do. It's over. That Boneyard match, in my mind, wasn't a real match. Uh, I mean, I saw it. I seen it. 
So it's a real match, right? Yeah, but it wasn't like a wrestling match. Nobody got pinned. There was no referee. It was a cinematic experience. So, like, in my mind, I was just like, yeah, he's just doing something. It's like Ric Flair, like, showing up and then crotching somebody, like, hitting them in the nuts. It's like, it's not really working. You know? Yeah. Because he told me goodbye. Yeah, it's like, not he, he already said Like, he yeah, already it, said goodbye. It's like, no, take your fucking to-go plate. Get out. Yeah. I was about to say, now he's just, he grabbing some more stuff from his plate. <laughs> and trying to pick his shoes up, find where his shoes he left his coat in the room. He got to get a coat. Hey, he got to come back. It's, you know? it's like, look, look, hey, man, no, you cannot borrow that, that DVD. No, you can't borrow that Blu-ray. Get out. Go. You have to leave. No, yeah. that girl, she's not coming back. You got to go. You have to go home now. And he won't leave. So now, my, oh, I just. I have so many Puerto Rican uncles <laughs> like that, though. Like, so many. You don't even know. Like, it's not even. They don't even start to leave. Until they get to the driveway. Right. And you got to walk them out to the driveway because they'll talk your ass all the way outside your own house. It's like, man, you're, you're still here and they're still talking to you. As you're walking back into your house because you're ready to close this chapter on their life, go. Because you know, if, like, if I close the door, because now I feel like a dick because I'm closing the door and you're still here talking. Yep. Even though you said goodbye, I, I'm closing the door so now I feel like an asshole and I feel like that's what we gotta do with the yep. Undertaker so he's giving this long speech to nobody cause nobody's saying thank you Taker none of us are doing this this is all manufactured it's not real I just watched the man say goodbye to nobody who cares yeah nah this not it man this is the equivalent he's in the car the shit's in reverse and you walking back to the crib but he gonna honk at you two more times stick his head out the window and be like hey nephew you left something and you got to walk your ass right back to the car. And you left like a fucking sweater three years ago. And he tries to give you a sweater and talk your ear off again. And you know, that's where you know who's is. standing in the driveway? <laughs> Kane in his homecoming suit. <laughs> hey, who told you to wear that shit? <laughs> get in his car and you leave too. Both of y'all take your asses. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> Yo, that shit was the best tonight, man. But yeah, that was that was the Taker shenanigans. I'm glad we gave it its own segment. Oh man, we'll see if Taker comes back or not. But the WWE did it. For now, Taker calls it quits 30 years after his debut. So it's come full circle. Let the dead man rest, please. So that's our show for today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed over an hour worth of wrestling talk. It's been great chopping up with you guys. Remember that we have another show coming to you guys on Thanksgiving morning to get you through Thanksgiving Day, hip-hop, uh, MMA, and boxing on that show. So plenty to talk about that day. Also, check out Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. Great content there. Great interviews. That is really taking off for us. Secondary podcast. So that is really fun. A lot like our live shows, you guys get the full stories of minority wrestlers. And trust me, there's plenty of stories for them to tell. So that is always great. Make sure you guys check that out. You can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hale on all platforms. Whew. That is a mouthful now. Dre, we got too many things going on. And you got eight jobs on the side of this. Yeah, man. I'm going to start need to take a, a break in between this outro. No, we appreciate you guys listening, though, and supporting everything that we do. Stay safe. Stay Rona-free. Enjoy your family the best you can over this 
Thanksgiving holiday. By next year, hopefully the Rona's in the rear view and we're all chilling and we're having fun at Survivor Series together as a wrestling fam. Can't wait for those days. Until then, and until our next show, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.